0: Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda.
1: And I'm Julia. And this is episode
0: 95, Izanami and Izanagi. Good pronunciation, Amanda. I Thank you, I tried.
1: Yeah, you did great. You know who else
0: does great? Is it our newest patrons, Julia?
1: Yes, it is. It's Marianne, Meg, Lindsay, and Rhiannon. We love them very much,
0: and we are so proud and happy to welcome them to the ranks of our Patreon, particularly our supporting producer-level patrons whose names get mentioned in every single episode, and so can yours. Philip, Julie, Christina, Eeyore, Josie, Amara, Ella, Neil, Jessica, Maria, Ryan, Phil Fresh, and Deborah. They are all ladies of the underworld, if only they tried. Absolutely true absolutely as well as our legend level patrons i mean it's right there in the name they're absolutely legends of the underworld elisa zoe lorelei cassie sarah sandra audra mercedes jack and leanne Ah,
1: i love them all so much
0: if we could make them a drink uh what would we make them
1: Um, I would have made them the drink that we drank for this episode, which is called a Mist and Shadow. It is a sake and St. Germain cocktail. And if you are one of our patrons at our recipe card levels, you can learn how to make one too.
0: So, so good. The Legends this week got a really gorgeous box from Shaker and Spoon, and every box comes with some bar equipment like a shaker or juicer, so I'm really stoked to see if anybody make this beautiful sea germane cocktail this week.
1: Yes, please tag us in those photos if you do make it. I would love to see it.
0: And uh, as as you're making stuff, hanging out in the kitchen, whatever, what are you listening to this, this week, this time of year, Jules?
1: It's a little bit of a shameless plug for me, but the finale of the first season of What's the Frequency, which is a psychedelic noir podcast podcast that I may or may not voice act in just finished up its first season.
0: You definitely didn't kill your husband. Why do people keep saying that?
1: I don't know. It's super weird. (laughs) But please check it out if you get a chance. Um, It is wonderful. It is weird. It is unlike any other audio drama I've ever heard. And I think you would enjoy it if you like creepy cool things.
0: Also very creepy, very cool, and uh, features a lot of awesome teenagers, uh, is what I want to recommend this week, Principles of Magic, which is a new webcomic by Sarah Hopkins, friend of the show. Uh, It is amazing. I love webcomics. I miss the ones that I used to read uh, back in the, you know, kind of earlier internet days for me, the mid-aughts. And Principles of Magic is gorgeous. It is fun. I can tell you there's great stuff coming down the pipe. And you can check them out at PrinciplesOfMagic.com.
1: Do you know who else is great and very cool, Amanda? Uh,
0: would that be our sponsor, Stitch Fix and Amazon Prime Video?
1: Yes, those those would be the cool people.
0: <laughs> they really are cool, and we thank them for sponsoring the episode. And uh, don't worry, we'll tell you all about them later in the episode.
1: Also, before we get to the episode, just a reminder that we are going to be at the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival. You can come see tickets for a live show that we're doing on Sunday, October 14th.
0: And we have it confirmed that there will be some awesome members of the Spirits community there. We'll stick around after the show to say hi and give hugs and give photos. So if you want the chance to meet us and you live in the New York area or want to visit, it would be a great time to do so.
1: Yeah. And I just want to remind y'all that we are nine patrons away from hitting our spaghetti warehouse goal. (gasps) What? What? We actually will go to Ohio. Yeah. So like literally only for a dollar an episode, you you, the person listening to this, could help send us to Ohio.
0: Guys, we will go to a spaghetti warehouse. Thanks to a Spirits listener, I own a couple of glasses from the spaghetti warehouse. That's true. that's nowhere near as haunted as going to the origin, the epicenter, the Spirits spaghetti warehouse itself. Correct. So join us at patreon.com slash A lot of good stuff there for you. A lot of good stuff coming down the pipe. And thank you again to the hundreds of you that support us there. You are what keeps the show going. And we wake up with a grin on our face every day when we see emails of new patrons in our inbox.
1: We do. We really do.
0: And that is all. So enjoy Spirits Podcast episode 95, Izanami and Izanagi. I have peppermint licorice tea, Ooh. which sounds fucking bad, but yes. is fucking good. I don't like licorice. I can Me eat neither. peppermint. This is like the barest,
1: sweetest note on the end of the peppermint. Huh. How did, we're going to sidetrack real quick, cold open. Yeah. Um, how did you decide, like, why did you buy it then if you don't like licorice? Uh, because I was in Catherine Addington's house. Okay. And her mom loves
0: tea mm-hmm. and said, Amanda, may I make you some tea after dinner? And I said, but of course, Mrs. Addington. And I uh, drank whatever the fuck she gave me and it was so good and I demanded the wrapper of the tea bag and went out and bought it. Perfect.
1: Great. I love when people open us up to new experiences.
0: I know, I never would have selected it for myself, and I'm very glad that I did. Um soothes my throat in my, my little, my little summer cold that I have right now. I'm sorry, baby. And, um, makes, makes me think of Catherine and her mom and their beautiful dining room where all of their plates and bowls are colorful. And I don't even want to say mismatched, but they're like a variety. They're a beautiful mixed garden and I love love them.
1: Like, like a garden. It should be cultivated, but also eclectic.
0: Yes, just like somebody said on Twitter, you know, can I wear competing floral prints together? Yes. And they're like, yeah, guard, do gardens match? Like, no, (laughs) you can wear them however you want. Whatever you want. Makes me feel good as a person with a floral tattoo. And also immediately upon getting that floral tattoo,
1: I realized I had a lot of floral clothing. So, you know. And you went out and you bought more floral clothing. You know, I did. I'm proud of you. I did. This has nothing to do with our episode. But I did think of an intro while we were talking. Oh, good. So Amanda, as you know, I am planning my wedding. Hell yeah. And it is stressful. I know. Weddings are stressful. Marriage is stressful, I imagine. That's what I hear. Yeah, that's what I hear too. Um, But do you want to know how a marriage led to the creation of the world? Yeah. The creation of the Japanese islands. Baller. And also death. Love it. Wouldn't be spirits without some death. No, there's always got to be some
0: death. You know, much like a wedding, I think you have to have a lot of happiness. Love death sprinkled in. A
1: little, little bit of just recognition of mortality. That is true. I mean, they literally make you say, like, death, till death do you part. Exactly. Yeah. There, there's the understanding of mortality in the marriage process. You glance into the void, then you glance back at your beloved, and you say, yeah, I do want to spend
0: my limited time on this, you know, piece of rock orbiting a flaming hot sun. With you. Let's do it together. Let's do it.
1: Oh, okay. So, the story that I'm going to be telling you today is the story of Izanami and Izanagi. Very good. (laughs) Adorable, alliterative names. Good start. So, this story comes from the Kojiki, which is an eighth century Japanese compendium of mythology. I love compendiums. God bless compendium
0: editors. God bless anthology editors. Like, they're so valuable, Mm -hmm. they're so thoughtful. They have to order all those things. Yeah. have to decide on chapter names.
1: have to do, like, epigraphs and shit. They got to translate shit a lot yeah. of the times. Yeah. Yo. The kojiki starts by explaining that before the formation of the world, the land was formless like a jellyfish, which, God, isn't that so Ooh. evocative?
0: Ooh.
1: Uh, that. We are brewing
0: kombucha right now, <gasps> my partner and me, and it's it's very fun. But the kombucha itself, it looks like a placenta julia. Yeah. That's what it looks like. It's The, the little scoby, mm-hmm. which we've named Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Of it's you did. <laughs> it's a little placenta of mold that gives me delicious, healthful, nutritious beverage. Fair enough. And this is my observation on jellyfishes and the beginning of the world. Perfect. Thank you.
1: Thank you for that. Uh, So despite the land being formless, the first kami came into being and resided in Takamagahara, which is the high plane of heaven. Mm. Uh, The existence of Takamagahara becomes really important later, but we'll get to that eventually. Uh, So at the beginning, there were three primal kami. But first, let me explain what a kami is. Please do. I was going to ask. Uh, It's super important. So I'm glad you were curious about it. So I say kami, and that's the phrase that I'm going to use throughout the episode, because there's no direct translation to English. Okay. Uh, and this is, has to do with the ambiguity of the term, and that's super important because kami are particularly ambiguous in their own nature. So uh, kami are the spirits that are worshipped in Shinto religion, and can be anything from mountains to forces of nature to like more esoteric things like wisdom and poetry, uh, or could be ancient ancestors that have been deified. Hmm. They are manifestations of this concept known as musubi, which is the interconnected energy of the universe. And as such, there's something that human beings should strive to be. Wow. Remember in the Mayan creation story, when we were talking about how human beings were created multiple times? Yes. And then they had to, they like like, control. we made good humans, but they're too good. We got to make them like a little bit less. That's kind of the standard that like Kami and human are at.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure this is an imperfect um, analogy. Meta- analogy, but I also thought of Plato's forms. Mm-hmm. And that's something we learned about in philosophy in high school, um, where there's almost, it sounds like there's, you know, ways to be wise on, you know, on earth or ways to like, you look at a single mountain and that like evokes this larger idea or ideal of like the mountain or like the wisdom. Yes.
1: Uh, And I also think that this kind of ties into more Eastern ideas featured in, like, Buddhism and Hinduism, where there's, like, a higher level that one can ascend to. Hence the, like, fact that human beings can be deified and become kami. Yes. All right, cool. Um, So Shinto traditions point out that kami have five defining traits. Uh, Kami possess two souls, one gentle and one assertive, representing the fact that nature and the world can be both giving and destructive. Huh. Uh, Kami cannot be seen in the human realm and therefore have to inhabit sacred places and sometimes people. Hmm. Kami do not stay in one place, but rather move around their places of worship. So if a kami has multiple places of worship or temples, they move around. They don't stay in one place. I like it. Uh, According to the Kojiki, there are about 300 different classifications of kami. All kami are unique and have a specific duty to the people around them or are a guardian of a specific object, place, or idea. Hmm. So those are our five kami-defining traits. All right, all right. So knowing that, we can establish that before the formation of the world, as we know it, the three primal kami living in Takamagahara. The first is Amanomina Kanushi, uh, the first kami and the source of the universe. They were known as, quote, the god who came into being alone and is one of the most distinguished heavenly gods. The second is Takamimusubi, uh, who is known as the high creator. And then lastly is Kamimusubi, which is the divine creator. I love
0: more than one creator.
1: Yes. So depending on the source, all three of these gods are genderless, though others will claim that while Amanomi no Kanushi is genderless, while Kamimushi was a woman and Takamimusubi was a man. Okay. So mix or everyone genderless. Yes a little bit of both. Um so after these 3 there were 7 successive generations of gods and goddesses that came into being kami. Uh and the 7th generation consisted of Izanagi, which means he who invites, and Izanami, which means she who invites. Okay. So at their birth, the older kami decide that Izanagi and Izanami are going to be in charge of shaping the world. No big deal. Like that's that's a really big thing to be like born into.
0: Yeah, that's like having a kid that you're like this child will carry on my real estate empire.
1: I mean, maybe, you know, yeah, let's see.
0: Seems like a lot to put on a kid, not to mention the whole, you know, human tradition of dynasty.
1: Yeah, no, it's a lot of responsibility for Kami that are just coming into existence.
0: Though I guess if this, I don't know, if this birth is like the the dice roll of genetics that human births are, maybe Mm. they are, you know, created with some more control over their like abilities or destiny.
1: We'll talk about that in a little bit. Ooh. I love when you guess things before we get to them. (laughs) I genuinely do because I can like see your mind working and you're like, oh, well, that would make make sense for this to progress in the story i'm like yes amanda it would it would (laughs)
0: it's like in the good place where uh in in season two michael uh has some clues that he leaves for Mm -hmm. the humans and the Humans are like, oh, Michael, I'm so glad that I picked up on your four clues. He's like, I left you 14,000 clues because I know your brains are so small. So I'm glad that at least four of them made it to the top. That's how I feel where you're like leaving me so many breadcrumbs. And, you know, occasionally I pick up on one or two.
1: It makes me very proud. Thank you. Uh, So at this point, the world is still a chaotic, shapeless place. And the two kami are told that they must bring order and structure to it. In order to help them do this, the couple are given a jeweled spirit known as Amano Nuboko, uh, which literally translates to heavenly jeweled spear. I mean, that's very dignified. Right? Yeah. yeah.
0: Also, can I just say, dream internship? Someone turns me on a disorganized library and says, "Put order to this chaos," and I say, "Thank you for the opportunity."
1: Also, here's a spear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any job that they also hand me a spear with, I would. Oh be down yeah, for.
0: I don't know what you're gonna run into in there. <laughs> Librarians, please tell me the most buckwild thing you've ever run into in archives and/or libraries.
1: Uh, a lock of John Adams' hair.
0: You have, yes. yes. You did know it was there, to be fair.
1: Yes. I found, just randomly, a piece of... So when they set off the, like, nuclear bombs when testing the Manhattan yes. Project, it created a new, like, element mm-hmm. at the site where the sand was basically, like, just bombarded. yeah. Yeah. And I found a piece of that. In oh, some glass. No big deal. Yeah, no big deal. Just like <laughs> just this weird metal. I'm like, what is this? And then I'm reading the description, and I'm just like, oh, oh, I'm I probably shouldn't hold that for too long. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good story. Thank you. Uh, so we move on with Izanagi and Izanami. Uh, they go to the heavenly floating bridge, which is the bridge between heaven and earth, and they stare down at the chaotic mess below them. Really not sure how to go about creating the world and putting it into order. Like where do you start? Yeah. It's realistic. Um so they do what anyone would do. They poke it with the spear. <laughs> <laughs> so they attempt to stir the chaos with the point of the spear, but it doesn't really do much. Oh my gosh. Um but when they lift the spear back out of the chaos of the world, a drop of creation falls from it, creating the island of Onogoro. Ah. Oh. So now that is the place for them, they decide. Um, so they make their home there. They leave Takamagahara to create a palace on the island called the Eight Measure Palace. And at the center of that stood a pillar that was known as the Heavenly August Pillar. Okay. Uh, the pillar is important, if you haven't guessed. I mean, you call a, cool a thing
0: August and it's going to be important. Yeah. I have a, a baby cousin named August, and I'm like, baby, I hope you're destined for greatness because if not, it's going to be awkward for you. Yeah, sorry. Sorry in advance. <gasps> <laughs>
1: You probably won't live up to that standard.
0: He's a very cute, baby. And oh, his well, parents like, are very sweet. Fair. So,
1: hopefully. I, I I wish all the best for the You know, baby. they're
0: the kind of parents who would be like, baby, you need to live your truth. Like, they're very kind and, and conscientious about that. So I think he will live his truth greatest destiny not damn, like damn
1: but like giving him that name then though i know leave like your truth maybe, baby
0: but also maybe it's a gift saying like listen no one can ever live up to everyone else's expectations all you can do is you know look into yourself decide for yourself and like live the greatest life that you want to live for you
1: right like when all the settlers came over and name of their child it's like honesty like, yeah i guess <laughs> virtue i
0: mean fine dad i'll never dance i guess chastity
1: why <laughs> why do you want that fuck you <laughs> You had sex nine months ago. <laughs> like, literally. Okay. <laughs> um, so now that... Fucking like Puritans. Fucking <laughs> Puritans, really. Okay. So now that Izanami and Izanagi had settled into their new home away from all the other kami, they decided they wanted to start a family. And this is on Earth, right? Yes. Cool. This is the only thing really in existence yeah. right now on Earth. So they stood on one side of the heavenly pillar and they sa- decide to circle around it. Izanagi goes left, Izanami goes right and they meet on the other side. That's how I initiate coitus. I don't know about you, but <laughs> in delight at seeing her love, Izanami calls out saying, "What a fine young man." <laughs> and Izanagi replies, "What a fine young woman." And in that moment, they're married. Oh, you know, that's that's how that's we should do sweet. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So they then wanted to have a child, but they didn't know what to do.
0: Okay. okay. Uh, So
1: they called out to two birds, wagtails, uh, which are these kind of like black and white water birds. Bird
0: midwife, bird midwife. (laughs) It's a midwife and a bird, bird midwife.
1: So they call out to these wagtails and wagtails are uh, pretty known for coupling up and defending territories together. Okay. Okay. Uh, So the wagtails give the couple advice on how to have sex, I guess. No big deal. And Izanami is soon pregnant. Uh, When she gives birth to her son, Hiroko, though, he's born without limbs and is boneless. Okay. Uh, And he's referred to in the story as the leech child. Oof. Yeah, not great. No. Uh, The couple places, again, not great the following story. The couple places the child in a boat of reeds and then is abandoned by his parents, letting him float away into the chaos to just like His fate. Just be like, all right, good luck out there. Oof. Not great. No. But like also we've seen that happen in Greece. And usually that turns out good. That's true. Also Moses. So the couple tries for more children. Their next child is called Awashima or the Faint Island. But again, there's just weird stuff happening with these children. They're they're not coming out like to the level that Kami usually come out. Right. In the story, this is the creation of how like devils and demons come into play in Shinto religion. Ah which is not great. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna cheer us up a little bit here because okay. as a side note, that's not where the story of Hiroko's like tail ends. Okay, so um, he's some kind of exciting existence, hopefully. Yes. Uh, it is said that in another story that Hiroko is found by fishermen when his reed boat washes ashore. He eventually grew legs and the rest of his skeletal structure, I guess, at the age of three uh, after being cared for by the fishermen and is renamed Ebisu. Th- uh, though he's Still portrayed as disabled and deaf, he grows up to be the laughing god, who is the kami of fishermen and luck, and is one of the seven gods of fortune. So he huh. plays a really, like, critical role in the rest of Shinto religion, yeah. but, like, in this story, he wouldn't have been able to become what he was and, like, have the the... Domains that he had, if it wasn't for his parents casting him out.
0: Yeah, and that that is pretty poignant too for fishermen, which are often at the you know mercy of nature and the world. Yeah. So it you know it's it's not great that you know kids with birth defects or you know abnormal bodies in some yeah. way are treated as like uh, I don't know sources of evil maleficence.
1: Yeah. It's world? kind of fucked up.
0: it is kind of fucked up.
1: But there is a a light at the end of that tunnel yes with edisu yeah obviously izanami and izanagi don't find that out Mm -hmm. um so they keep trying for kids they're heartbroken they can't have like a child that is quote normal i don't like using that terminology but it's the way that it's portrayed in the story right uh so they return back to takamagahara to ask the older kami what they were doing wrong Mm -hmm. Um, So it turns out that in their marriage ceremony, because Izanami had greeted Izanagi first, they hadn't been properly married, which is what affected their ability to have children. Oh, because the man has to go first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why not? (sighs) So the couple return to their palace. They redo the ceremony with Izanagi greeting Izanami first. And then soon after, Izanami is able to successfully have birth to islands. Okay. Awaji, Shikoku, Ikikiyushu. Tsushima and Honshu which is the biggest island good pronunciation babe thank you I tried my best uh, so they named the land that Izanami gave birth to uh, or the land of eight great islands Japan? yep hey yeah. so she would later give birth to a bunch of smaller outlying islands as well but mm-hmm. not as important to the story but those weren't all of Izanami's children but I will tell you more about that when we get a refill okay Let's go,
0: Julia. Sometimes you are in heaven, okay, hanging out with your heavenly consorts and pals. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you find yourself on Earth in a small island, uh, pregnant, and checks out. Life brings you a bunch of different contexts that you may need uh, dope clothing for. That is true. And happily, we have Stitch Fix, yes. which is our sponsor for this week uh, that we genuinely love and get giddy every time we say their name. Oh, I do so much. It's an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories that fit your body your budget, but also your
1: lifestyle. You can tell them, I do wear athleisure seven times a week and they're not going to judge you for it. That does help for sure. You can be like, I'm going for a more edgy goth look this fall. And they're like, yeah, here's some leather jackets.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's dope. Or that you have, you know, business casual or professional or, you know, whatever it might be. You can tell them exactly what you need. You can change it in between boxes. So I like that because it can really like help plug holes in your wardrobe versus just like going to a store and hoping that the thing that they have that fits, oh, your body, oh, your budget, and oh, the thing that you, you know, have to do next week um, all in one. I don't like shopping in stores. It makes me feel bad about my body and myself, Mm -hmm. but when Stitch Fix sends me five dope items right to my door in a box, nice little wrapping paper just for me, and I can decide what to keep and what to send back, I don't know. I just love
1: it. Uh, yeah. And I like that the the whole thing with me is I love the fact that someone else is picking out clothes for me because I am like notoriously picky and I kind of fall into my own like cycles, I guess, for clothing. Stitch Fix sent me a romper and I would never buy a romper for <gasps> myself, but I look dope as hell in that romper. I need to it see looks it. looks so cute. It was amazing. And it was just, like, it was floral, which I told them that I liked. Yes. And it, like, was darker colors, which I told them that I liked. And it was just, it fit all of the things that I loved. But, like, I never would have picked it out for myself. Yeah. And that's what Stitch Fix is so good at. Having that personal stylist is such, like, a a blessing. It
0: really is. And the shipping and exchanges and returns are always free. You don't have to do a subscription. You can just get one if you want, which I think is really great because maybe you don't want to commit to having one every month or every quarter. You yeah. can just get one box that's also allowed. Um, and the, what they have is a styling fee that's 20 bucks. So every box they charge a credit card $20. But if you decide to keep any item from that box, they take the 20 bucks out of its price. Right. So if you choose to keep even one thing from your box, the entire process is free. There's no fee. There's no surcharges. There's no shipping. It's pretty dope.
1: Yeah. For example, like if you get a really cute, dope floral top that Stitch Fix sent you, um, and just it's, hypothetically, and like it's thirty dollars, you already paid that twenty, so it's only going to cost you an additional ten. It's pretty great. Yeah. And if
0: you go to stitchfix.com/spirits, you'll get twenty five percent off every item in the box when you decide to keep all five. So keep everything in the box. You get 25% off every single item's price and that $20 credit. So it's a pretty great deal. That's stitchfix.com slash spirits. Thank you, Stitch Fix. We love you. If y'all get your beautiful Stitch Fix items, please show us photos on Instagram. Tag us at Spirits Podcast. We would love to give you compliments. Yes,
1: please. I want to see all your cute outfits.
0: All right. Thanks again. That's stitchfix.com slash spirits. We are also sponsored this week by Amazon Prime Video, a new sponsor to the show, and we are very happy to welcome them. Amazon Prime Video is a benefit for Amazon Prime members. So you get the shipping that you get with Amazon Prime, but also this entertainment delivered to you from Prime Video Channels.
1: Yeah, cable bills, they're expensive. And honestly, I don't want to pay them. I don't want to pay for a bunch of different channels that I'm not going to watch anyway. So getting to pick and choose which channels you want to watch is the best way to go about it. The nice part is Prime Video Channels has 100 plus premium and specialty channels that you can pick and choose. So if you want stars, but not HBO, which I don't understand why you would do that, but I mean, it's up to you. You might want PBS Kids, but not PBS Masterpiece. Like, do what you got to do. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I want to use channels for when the new season of Doctor Who comes out, for sure. Yes,
0: that's going to be awesome. And I just finished on HBO the show Succession, which is kind of like Game of Thrones, but about like corporate politics. So very up my alley.
1: Oh, you know what? Um, I am getting into Outlander on stars. And it is very good. It's very up our spirits listeners alleys. There's time travel and period pieces and romance. It's very good.
0: And yeah, it works on your phone, it works on your Roku, it works on your Fire TV. So however you watch your stuff, this is going to work for you. Um, and Amazon Prime Video is offering a free trial to our listeners at tryprimechannels.com spirits.
1: Yeah, only pay for the channels that you want with Prime Video Channels. You can start your free trial of over a 100 different channels by visiting tryprimechannels.com spirits. Do it. Do the thing. Thank you very much for sponsoring the show. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now, and the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger because we have professional grade supplies for every industry, even hard to find products, and we have same day pickup and next day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And now, let's get back to it. Okay, so after giving birth to all of these islands, Izanami needed children uh, that would give them shape. Like, she's, she needed, like, there's just these... There's just land right now.
0: They're not uh, anything. So it's like the dough is proofing. I yes. have been re-watching Great British Bake Off in I, my sick days. I'm not surprised. And they need to knead and shape that dough.
1: Yeah. So she just starts popping out kids left and right. Kami uh, of the sea, the wind, of trees and mountains, and basically any kind of object or phenomenon in nature that you would imagine.
0: All right. I mean, all the fun stuff. This is like decorating
1: the cake, the decorating the map. Absolutely. But the problem is... Pregnancy is what does her in in the end. Pregnancy sucks. Yeah, pregnancy. I'm scary. sure it's beautiful, also, but like, but also come scary on. and terrifying. Yeah. And you're bringing like life into this world, and also like mortality rates for women giving birth are way too high, especially in the United States. That's a different tangent for another time, Julia. Okay, you just had
0: a little like that's so raven moment where you just like you just uh, did a little tunnel into somewhere <laughs> else.
1: <laughs> so she gives birth to Kagasuchi, who is the Kami of Fire. Okay, and she was burned to death as he leaves her body despite izanagi doing his best to try and save her Oof. so even in death though izanami gives birth to more kami the kami of death and sorrow enter the world as she exits
0: i mean that's that's pretty poignant it's sad but that's you know fitting i think
1: oh for sure uh izanagi weeps for his wife and in his tears even more kami are born Enraged at Izanami's death, he kills Kagusuchi, cutting off his head and further offspring are born from the blood and the sword that he used. Ah, Now, what we're looking at here is like similar to some Greek stories. Uh, If we're looking at the the Pandora's box, this has a very similar vibe to it. Actually, the end of the story is going to have more of a Orpheus twist to it.
0: Ooh. Ooh.
1: Izanagi grieves for Izanami for a very long time, but he's still determined to bring her back. He decides to go to Yomi, which is the land of the dead. Alrighty. Interestingly, new uh, realm. I, I wish I want a little like
0: kazoo for when we enter a new realm in a story. It would be helpful to me. <laughs> maybe maybe the slide whistle from the Join the Party live show.
1: Perhaps. Pew- That is true. It has a geographical continuity in Shinto religion. Yomi does. Uh, It is not hell or paradise, but rather it is a place where all deceased go and carry on a shadowy existence forever, no matter how they acted in life.
0: Oh, damn. Yeah. So there's no nothing else?
1: Yeah, there's no punishment. There's no reward. It's just that's what the afterlife's like, which um, you see in Mesopotamian afterlife. In the story of Gilgamesh, everyone lives underground, wears feathers and eats dirt
0: okay 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 that's just how it is i mean i also as someone who doesn't believe in any particular afterlife i i do appreciate the kind of just like ethical and philosophical need to like do our best while we're here for its own sake Mm -hmm. so i I respect that for sure
1: according to the kojiki the entrance of yomi lies in izumu province and is described as a polluted land which is connected to the shinto associations between pollution and death okay which logically makes sense because like you leave a dead body rotting somewhere it can ruin a water source or something like that. Like Yeah. Or pollute the environment.
0: The, the environment, you know, yeah. degrades.
1: Disposal of the dead is very important, like in a lot of different religions. Yes. So um connecting pollution and death is really, really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um so Izanagi makes a long and perilous journey into Yomi. I actually read the Kojiki. Um, for these sections, Ooh. it wasn't a great translation, as far as I could tell, because it was very—it was like written almost in like, like Elizabethan English,
0: oh, okay. which was
1: weird. Well, maybe it it sounds archaic
0: to contemporary Japanese readers, and so they're trying to, you know, send the same message for English readers. That's possible.
1: Um, but anyway, so. It says that he makes a long and perilous journey into Yomi, but it doesn't describe the perilous journey at all. Otherwise, I would have given you those sweet, sweet (laughs) details. Um, So eventually, uh, Izanagi comes across a great mansion that is guarded by fearsome demons. Ooh, Uh, Izanagi creeps through the back entrance and finds Izanami there. Uh, She's hidden in shadow and her face is veiled, but they have this like really joyful reunion.
0: Okay. okay. Uh,
1: And when he tells Izanami to come with him, she answers, here's a quote and you'll see the old English here. Lamentable indeed that thou earnest not sooner. I have eaten of the hearth of Yami. Nevertheless, as I reverence the entry here of thine augustness, my lovely elder brother, I wish to return. So the problem is. Izanami has eaten the food of Yomi, so that means she can't return to the world of living, yeah. similar to the Persephone and Hades story where she's eaten food in Hades so she can't come back. Never eat the fairy food. Don't do that. Just like don't eat food if you're in a weird new place and someone offers it to you.
0: I mean, if you're traveling, do probably well, yes, but, but like not if there's if you're like Man and Julia would give this a side eye. Don't eat food there.
1: Don't eat food there. Don't take the the fae book, Amanda, on the subway. <laughs> I know. I'm so I took you. it. <laughs> it's great to be recording with the pile of sticks that is climber to look
0: like you. Listen, I was on a subway car. The subway car was totally empty. There was a a shaft of sunlight hitting the floor with a book in the middle of it. I was enchanted, and I took the book. It was a library book. I'm going to return it and then buy a different copy and then read that copy because the book looks really good.
1: Uh, you were given a weird side quest in an RPG, is what <laughs> just happened there. Listen,
0: I am the servant of librarians. I am going to bring that book back, going to bring it home, going to reunite it with its family. Not for a reward, Julia, for its own sake. Upholding <laughs> the bonds of civility that keep us all in society.
1: Carry on. so speaking of the bonds of civility (laughs) um because izanami has eaten the food of yomi she cannot return to the surface Mm. but because izanagi has come for her she agrees to go and talk to the kami that is in charge of yomi uh to see if she can go back with her husband okay kind of like uh eurydice appealing to hades to let her try and go back Mm -hmm. uh before she leaves to ask permission though she tells izanagi that he must stay at the mansion and not to go inside Uh Uh-oh, bet that boy goes inside. Uh, So he agrees, but after Izanami has been gone for a whole day and does not return, Izanagi goes inside the mansion to look for her. He uses the tooth of his comb as a torch, because why not? That's the first time I've heard of it, but sure. Uh, And so he wanders around the mansion using this frail light to guide him. Uh, But when Izanagi enters into a room, he finds that Izanami is not how she was in life, but rather is a decaying corpse. And she has several of these thunder kami that have recently been born from her body. So, like, they're these, like, fearsome, big, bulky kami.
0: And they're surrounding her? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um,
1: So she does not look good her skin is rotting and starting to fall away her flesh is covered in maggots Yes. uh izanagi is horrified and disgusted by the appearance of his wife who is still moving and speaking but is clearly dead yeah and he turns to flee pursued by thunder kami these uh quote foul women known as uh shikomi and izanami herself hmm. So Izanagi fights off the Thunder Kami and Izanami and manages to imprison her in Yomi by rolling a huge rock across the entrance of Yomi. Izanami is indignant, yelling that if Izanagi does not take her back to the world of the living with him, she will take a thousand living people to Yomi each day. Yikes. To which Izanagi is so disgusted that he replies that he will create 1,500 lives a day in return. There you go. That's why human beings live and die, huh? So because of Izanagi's insolence and disgust, death comes to mortal beings, but Izanagi's ability to give life to the world ensures that he brings more into the world than Izanami can take away. You know that's
0: pretty balanced and pretty beautiful,
1: yeah, I really really i just I like the kind of idea, and we'll we'll sidetrack to discuss this a little bit, but like understanding that like human population grows, yeah.
0: It's just like, that's so cool. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if this were, like, pretty scientifically accurate to the time when the story was generated. Oh, for sure. At least in the the locality where it came from.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably pretty accurate. And, like, if you think about it, Japan is much more of a finite area of mass for people to occupy than, say, the United States where there are there are pockets of land where there just aren't people for miles. Exactly. Um, But Japan, I feel like, is slightly different. It's a little bit smaller and it's a little bit more spread out from what it is. But yeah, I think that it's it's interesting to kind of look at the growth of a people and also for people to understand that like, hey, the birth rate is higher than the death rate and we're going to have a higher population as time goes on. That seems really interesting and just like, Not something that I would ever consider as a human being until someone points it out to me.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't think I thought about all the people that lived and died before this generation until we started studying that kind of stuff in school. Yeah. Um, But for Japan in particular, I I mean, I think you're right. Like, resources have always been finite. Space has always been finite. And they've had to deal with questions of, like, density and population management and, you know, food, I don't know, distribution Mm -hmm. um, a lot more and better than most societies.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, so finishing up the story, Izanagi sees the taint of the underworld on his skin, and so he plunges into a river in order to purge it from his body. Uh, in doing so, he washes his left eye, and the kami, Ematoratsu, who is the sun kami, is born. From his right eye, Sukiyomi, the moon kami, is born. Uh, and from his nose is Susanoo, uh, who is the kami of restless seas. Sounds like a sneeze. I hope that's not rude to
0: say, but I love it. It's it- like... Like he a lovely sneezes scent. and then
1: like the, the waves go crazy. Yes. I like it. Uh, this story is regarded as the founding of Harai, which is a important ritual of purification practice in Shinto religion. Hmm. Uh, basically, it's one that you would do before worshiping at a Shinto temple. Um, but Susano, seeing his sister and brother, was unhappy with the role that he was playing in the world. Hmm. Izanagi, angered by his son's insolence, banishes Susanoo, who went willingly to Yomi to be with his mother. Uh, Izanami would allow her son to take the role of the Grand Kami of Yomi in her place. She basically retires, yeah, uh, which her husband also does. Uh, After what happened with Izanami, Izanagi decides to retire uh, and is said to have returned to Takamagahara so that he could be close to his two children, Amaterasu and Tsukiyomi. Others say that he rested on the island of Honshu, which was the largest island that his wife gave birth to and where he is still worshipped to this day.
0: I like that the insolence of the waves ends up kind of ruling the underworld, Mm -hmm. and it's their firstborn, who they had banished, that ends up being the kind of light and laughter of fishermen that suffer at the insolence of the waves. I
1: like that. Uh, Susano is an important character and, like, hero character in a lot of uh, Japanese mythology and Shinto religion. Um, I would love to do an episode on him at one point, but he's he's a really interesting character, to say the least. I dig it. Um, so wrapping up in Japanese art uh, Izanami and Izanagi are often shown standing together on the heavenly bridge stirring the ocean with their spear that's like one of the key like images of their story yeah yeah. Uh, it's super evocative so I understand why and it's like really important to the creation of the universe story so
0: something I really really love about having done this podcast for a while now is I can go to museums and understand tableaus better than I have before like occasionally I'll see like pottery or a tapestry and be like oh my god I've is that <laughs> it is the coolest feeling
1: i like that a lot so they're also famously referenced in the shrine of the wedded rocks at miyotoiwa which is off the coast of hutami Uh, It's these two large rocks that stand in the ocean and are attached by a sacred rope known as a shimenawa, representing the matrimonial bond between the two kami. Hmm. Uh, Interestingly, because the area is so humid and like also on the ocean, uh, the shimenawa is replaced several times a year with a great ceremony. It's very cute. That is adorable. Uh, So yeah, that's the story of Izanami and Izanagi. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot to unpack with it. It's definitely, it covers everything from the creation of the world to the entrance of death into it and like yeah. how, how Izanami became basically the, the kami of death, the yeah. goddess of death, um, all because her husband, uh, couldn't appreciate her rotting corpse, I guess. Also, if you see
0: a, uh, like ghostly figure with a veil, don't go under that veil, don't go near it. Don't, don't mess with
1: it. It's okay. But, like, also, I like this idea that that was still his wife. And he yeah. was still going to bring her back to the world of the living with yeah. him. And it was only after he saw, like, what death had done to her physically that he, like, ran away. So, so like, I don't know. I, I think that says something to the fact that if he didn't know that, death doesn't change a person. You know? Mm-hmm. The way that we see a person even after death doesn't really like they're still the person that we knew in life and the fact that we sometimes like disconnect that because they are dead and like our memory of them is altered slightly is kind of fucked up i think and i think that kind of ties into like just collective memory in general when a person dies we we have to kind of keep this image of them in our minds in order to keep them alive so i would say in this story izanagi is kind of in the wrong here Despite the fact that like, okay, yeah, if I saw like the rotting corpse of my loved one, I would probably be afraid and upset. but also if they're still acting like the person that I knew and loved in life, yeah, I would I would do something about that. I think that's why we're so terrified of zombie stories, yes, is because it's still the person that we love and yes, they are decayed, but it's also the fact that they're they're not that person anymore that death has consumed them entirely is what's the frightening part of zombie stories. So that's why I'm I'm very conflicted by Izanagi's reaction to Izanami in the underworld. Yeah. And I, I do think he's in the wrong in the story. I'm not sure if you agree or disagree. And one zombie uh,
0: piece of media, which I think I'm a bit of a connoisseur uh, mm-hmm. thereof, is In the Flesh, which was a short-lived, much-beloved British television series um, that dealt with the, you know, decayed body, still with the person that you knew their brain and like spirit inside of it and how you like live in that society. Um, I thought was fascinating. It had a lot to do with like the structural and like societal, you know, uh, works that we create. Um, and it was, it was very good, but you're right. Like a lot of, a lot of the kind of horror of the zombie is okay. It's the body, my loved one, but not their mind. And you know, what, like, what is my allegiance to, is it to their body? Is it to their mind? Is it to the combination? Like what do I do here? What's the ethical thing?
1: And I think that it's really interesting because if you know anything about the seven, uh, like the seven steps of grieving, right? I don't think that Izanagi really went through those. He definitely didn't get to the level of acceptance yeah. because he goes down to the underworld to, you know, try and bring his wife back. And I, I think that yeah, he's you know, like
0: denial the whole way.
1: It's denial the whole way, and then I think it gets to the the anger. Ep- uh, like episode when he finally sees her and he sees the state that she's in and it's not an acceptance that he has that he's like oh well my wife is dead he-, he is afraid and he flees and then he like angrily retorts against her when she's like why are you leaving me okay if you're gonna leave me here's what I'm gonna do and he's like you know what fuck you I'm gonna like keep bringing life into the world which like is a positive thing but at the same time his reaction to it is not positive
0: yeah and you know, you kind of frame this as a story of a marriage. Um, and it's also, I don't know, like like that's the thing that you, you read about a lot is to say, like when you choose a, a person to spend, you know, many decades of your life with, if it's something that you do, um, you know, you're not going to stay married to the same person. You're not, you're not going to like be living with the same person the entire, the entire, you know, life. And and what you want to do is like marry someone that you want to see who their future selves are and that they are committed to your future selves, no matter how different that person may become. And obviously at a certain point, you know, may end up being better for you to part ways, but, you know, hearing people who've been married for like 30, 40, 50 years talking about what's, what's occurred. It's like, yeah, it's dope. Like this person that I love evolves into someone else. I've owned somebody else. And we have the, you know, shared context and the resources and the like communicate, you know, communication tools to keep making that relationship again and again, and to keep building it when it starts to fray. So, um, that is not what happens here. Yeah. (laughs) But I, I think it is a useful, you know, reminder that, you know, when we're thinking about our, our you know, our, our person, is it someone who, when you see a different version of them speaking with their same voice, is that something that you want to take home with you?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point. And I mean, like Jake and I have been together for almost a decade. It'll be a decade in May. Wow. That is insane to me. Yeah. But like, I, I genuinely think, having that kind of uh, hindsight that when people say hey when you're in a relationship you either grow together or you grow apart that's 100% true yeah. and like you you shouldn't like i don't want to tell people what to do but <laughs> i would never put you myself You tell me what
0: to do so just tell me
1: so i would never put myself in a situation where i don't want to see all of the versions of the person that i'm with yeah and i think that like i wouldn't be marrying jake if i didn't know that we have been able to grow together for so long. And like, 10 years is a long time. I was 16 when we started dating. Yeah, that is, I am such a different person than I was when I was 16. Can confirm. I know you can and Jake <laughs> can too. And that's the beautiful thing about one, our friendship to yeah. Jake and mine's relationship is that we grow and we make each other better. Mm-hmm. And if you're not making your partner or friends better by your presence in their lives or vice versa, that's not a relationship that you that you should continue with, I don't think. Like you can you can be separate people and you can like have different ideas about stuff, but when it comes down to it like if you're not be if you're not able to support that person's like new new life, I guess, don't just, just leave it where it is. Don't have the angry breakup that Izanami and Izanagi have just kind of part ways because you know that like, that's just how life is sometimes.
0: Yeah. To me, it's a difference between like supporting, um, supporting a person's behaviors mm-hmm. and qualities and the, the ways in which they interact with you and supporting the person Yeah, because all those things might change you know, and like, if you decide to be with someone for a long time, your body will change, your voice will change, your interests will change, your, you know, life circumstances and resources will change. Um, and on on a micro scale, I let's to a podcast yesterday where someone was talking about, like, uh, research in in couples, and ones that stay together, they find one of the things that those couples have in common is asking each other questions. And when like, you, you come to someone with like, a story of your day, it's not just like, oh, that's nice, honey, mine was blah, blah, blah. It's asking questions and being interested yeah. in having, like, active listening toward your partner. Um, and that's, like, as they saw a sign of respect, you know, and, like, being interested in a person. And that's one of the things that, you know, good marriages have in common or good relationships. Um, and so to me, yeah, like, it's just, it's, like, an incredible honor and privilege to, to get to be there to witness someone, whether it is a friend, a sibling, you know, a partner, to, like, see what happens next. And for me, one of the most like daunting things about entering into a a relationship has been letting myself disappoint my partner Mm -hmm. um, and dealing with those feelings and not wanting to disappoint them. And this worldview makes that a little bit less daunting for me because it's not like not being the person I've been or not acting like the person I want to be is the be all and end all. Like they love something something else, something deeper, something that's not just how I'm acting that day or like if the dinner gets burned, you know, or if I'm not able to like go have plans because I I get sick. Um, So I don't know that it's like a it's like a a freaking fall backward into a void. It feels Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, letting someone see you that deeply. Um, But again, like romantic familial, you know, friendship, um, it's those moments where I'm most glad to have someone with me. And I don't
1: know, it's scary, but it's worth it. I feel that. I think one of the like biggest things for me is, you know, when like people break up or friends break up or what have you and someone goes, you've changed. Yeah. Yeah. People change. Yeah. That's kind of the point. You just don't like the change that they've made. Yeah. And, like, and that's and
0: That's, that's totally healthy. Cool. You can do that. Like we've all had friends that, and you know, and other people in our lives that have like come in, come out and like, you have a nice time together and you move on. Like, doesn't mean the relationship's less meaningful. That's yeah. things we've talked about in previous episodes a lot. Um, but this is, uh, you know, when, when you find people that you want to commit to that deeply and that you want to know, and you want to like subscribe to updates, on on their life, it's, it's like a, I don't know, it's a, it's a very beautiful flower to put into the bouquet of like your life at this particular moment. And to have that constant, which, you know, we've also mentioned before of like Mm. just having someone who has witnessed the me 10 years ago and the me now and vice versa. Um, it's, uh, I don't know. It's a pretty special thing.
1: Yeah. I always get really excited when I look at you or when I look at Jake, because you're the people in my life that have been around the longest. And I'm just like, oh, man, they both changed so much since 16. But, like, all for the better. We've had a collective glow up. Yeah, we did. We totally did. (laughs) All of us, damn. But, yeah, like, that's the best part about friendship is that when someone can look at you and be like, man, our relationship or our friendship is so different than it was 10 years ago. But, like, that's so cool and that's so great. And we've taken this entire decade and we've grown together and, like, as people.
0: Yeah. It's like an 18 course New Year's dinner or however many years or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not, it's not like one unending dish on the Hogwarts buffet table. It's like, it's like a big, all you can eat continental buffet of life. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's really, I think it's a feature and not a bug, you know, that relationships can contain so many multitudes.
1: (laughs) And with that, We hope that all of your relationships contain multitudes and that you stay creepy. Stay cool.